From a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, David Perfect. Paul M. Sutter is an astrophysicist and science educator and is currently a cosmological researcher and community outreach coordinator with the Department of Astronomy at Ohio State University. He is also known for his Ask a Spaceman podcast. He has recently published the book, Your Place in the Universe, Understanding Our Big Messy Existence, which discusses subjects such as our place in the Milky Way galaxy, the cosmic web, and the origins of our universe in the Big Bang. Welcome, Paul M. Sutter. Thank you so much for having me. So, how do you even begin to tackle a subject as vast as the universe? I have no idea in the book. The book was an exploration of it, of of how do you take something that's so gigantic and so overwhelming and almost menacing as a topic as the entire universe? And how do you encapsulate that in... A few hundred pages of a book, which seems smaller than it should be, but that's the way it is. That was the publisher word count. You know, that's what they gave me. And what I decided to do was tell stories. I told stories of scientists over the past 400 years grappling with the universe of finding clues, bits here and there that they would pick up and try to piece together. And then I told the story of the universe itself. I gave a biography of our universe, hitting the most important moments in the past 13.8 billion years of cosmic history. And so it's by weaving those kinds of stories of the human story and the cosmic story that I hope to get across at least the spirit of our current understanding. Uh, what, what would you say is probably one of the most interesting subjects you got to study like while doing this kind of... Uh, oh, man, no, that's that's I'd... such an unfair <laughs> question, man, because I love this stuff. I love mm-hmm. every part of it. But what I did find mm-hmm. were, especially uh, going back into the history of cosmology... Uh, so I, I'm a cosmologist. I'm an astrophysicist. I study the universe. So it was a part of my training, a part of my undergrad and graduate experiences. But it was fun to revisit these topics from a human perspective. And and look at these people as people of not just the product of their research, but the, the motivations and the goals and the desires they had. So it was really fun to look at people like Edmund Haley, as in Haley's Comet. He was more than a guy who discovered a comet. He was a huge proponent of Newton's theory of gravity. He pushed Isaac Newton. He was good friends with him to actually publish. Newton was just going to sit on it because he didn't think it was very interesting. But Edmund Haley was like, no, 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 you got something going on here, dude. Put it out there. Let us know. And then he took Isaac's work and just applied it all over. He was able to predict eclipses. He was able to predict the return of comets. He was able to demonstrate to the public how powerful this idea of universal gravitation really was. And so looking at, at someone like Edmund Haley through that lens of someone who just wanted to do cool things and share cool science with other scientists in the world was a really fascinating journey for me. Oh, definitely. Do we have any sort of an idea of what may have started the Big Bang? What may have (laughs) caused that kind of thing? So many subjects, just a lot of interesting things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, one of the very earliest chapters, like chapter two, is Mm -hmm. the Big Bang, the earliest moments of the universe. And right from the outset, I don't talk about the start of the universe because we do not have a theoretical model of the start of the universe we don't even know if the word start makes sense in this context we don't know if there's such a thing as before our universe in its very earliest moments our universe gets very very complex and i should probably say like 10 or 20 more varies just to get that point across very complex and very poorly understood 
We don't have observations. We don't have theories to guide us. We don't even have decent mathematics to give us a handle on it. We don't have physics here in the earliest moments of the universe. I'm talking less than a second, less than a picosecond, less than a nanosecond, less than a femtosecond, a very, very tiny fraction of a second. We simply don't understand. And to go beyond that is outside of known physics. And my book is about known physics. So I start from there. You know, in the beginning, there is a question mark. And then it proceeds into things we actually can grapple with, things we actually can understand, things we can actually observe, and traces the history of our universe from there. Uh, that's actually one thing I was really interested in was the fact that you're able to determine the age of the universe itself. And I was really curious about like how that worked. I know I read a bit about that there was a more objective way to determine that since like time is relative yeah isn't this crazy like just let that sink in our universe has an age as a birthday just like you have a birthday like the universe has a finite age that we can measure that simple fact there should just have everyone on the floor it's it's just mind-blowing to comprehend that we live in a universe with a finite age that changes with time and yes all observers throughout the universe, regardless of their motion, you know, time is relative, I get all that. What we have are very powerful tools. We have a tool called general relativity. This tool of general relativity allows us to trace the evolution of the universe on very large scales, both space scales and time scales. And using that tool, we can find a universally agreed upon age of the universe. No matter where you are, what galaxy you live in, how fast you're going, you can apply the same toolkit because physics is universal and we can all agree on a common age of the universe, which is around 13.8 billion years. General relativity, it's like, I'm assuming it's like a sort of mathematical way of understanding it. or is it Exactly, okay. exactly. So this is Einstein's framework of gravity. And okay. the story of our universe at the very largest scales is a story about gravity. I've heard a lot about dark matter and dark energy, and I'm assuming there's some, are they related at all since they're both called dark or is this, are they separate things? Yeah, or? dark matter and dark energy are related in the sense that we don't understand either of them, and so hence they get the name dark. Once we actually figured it out, maybe that name will go away and we'll replace it with something more technical. But for now, it's dark matter and dark energy. And we know a lot about our universe and we've learned a lot about our universe over the past 400 years, but there are still many, many mysteries and we're uncovering new mysteries all the time. And the most recent mysteries are this thing called dark matter, which we're not exactly sure what it is, but appears to be some form of matter that doesn't interact with light. Okay, you know, whoever said everything had to interact with light, so I guess that's not a big deal. But then about 20 years ago, we discovered that the expansion of our universe, so our universe gets bigger every day, it's changing with time, but not only is it getting bigger and bigger, it's getting bigger and bigger faster and faster every day. Mm. This expansion is accelerating. We have no clue whatsoever what's going on. We just discovered it 20 years ago, and it's a very subtle effect, so we don't have very good measurements. We know it's there, and we call this thing dark energy, whatever it is. Together, dark matter and dark energy make up about 95% of the contents of our universe with regular quote-unquote regular matter like you and me and stars and galaxies making up less than five percent of all the stuff in our cosmos so we're in a present state right now in 2018 where we don't understand 95 percent of what the universe is made of 
when you say it's expanding, are like galaxies also expanding, or is it like it's like this, the, just the dark matter energy itself that's expanding, or like particles slowly but surely kind of like you know pulling apart? That's a great question. That's a great question. So when I say the universe is expanding, we have to put that in a proper cosmological context, which mm-hmm. means at very very large scales. On average, galaxies themselves are getting further away from every other galaxy. The galaxies inside the galaxies, you're bound by gravity inside of that galaxy. It's holding on to you. If you're in a solar system, you know, that star is holding on to you. If you're sitting on a planet, that planet is holding on to you. And that can resist the expansion of the universe. So inside this room, inside our solar system, inside of our galaxy, we don't feel that expansion of the universe. It's only one once you get between the galaxies where there's nothing at all, does that expansion take over? Of all the many different subjects, I've heard most of them. I've never heard of the cosmic web. What can you tell me about that? <laughs> the cosmic web is a fascinating, fascinating subject. Only discovered, only started to get measured in the late 70s, early 1980s. The cosmic web is the largest pattern found in nature. The cosmic web is a structure. It's a thing made of galaxies. So when you zoom out, when you look at huge cosmological scales, when you're looking at a slice of the whole entire universe, galaxies are not scattered around randomly. They're arranged in a pattern. There are long, thin ropes of galaxies, filaments. There are walls of galaxies. There are dense clumps called clusters of galaxies. And they are arranged together, and it looks like a gigantic three-dimensional spider web, hence the name Cosmic Web. It is the structure of our universe. It is the way that galaxies are arranged at cosmological scales. I would say one thing I was curious about is if the universe keeps expanding, if the universe does have an end, is that kind of related to that or is it something else? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So our universe has a finite age and our universe will die. In fact, our universe is dying right now. I mean, the universe itself is going to hang around forever, but the stuff inside of it is going to evolve evolve and change. There was a time 13 and a half billion years ago when no stars existed because not enough time had gone on for clumps of matter to group together to form the first stars. So there was a time before stars and there will be a time after stars. And we live in an era right now that we call the Stelliferous Era, which means the star forming era of our universe. But as our universe expands, as the distances between galaxies grows larger, there is fewer and fewer opportunities to take clumps of gas and squeeze them down to start forming a star. It's too dilute. It's too spread out. It's too thin. So we're not exactly sure what the future has in store for us because we don't understand most of what the universe is made of. If the universe keeps doing what it's doing right now with its accelerated expansion and its dark matter, then the last star will be born in about 100 trillion years, which is pretty long from now, but that's a finite time in the future. There is a point where the last star will be born, and shortly after that, shortly in air quotes here, 20 trillion years after that, the last star will die. The universe will enter a new phase of its existence after the last of the stars. Do they know if it's like, may potentially come back, or does it just seem like it will always just keep expanding, or do they think it might be like sort of a pattern, or? Oh yeah, yeah, so this was a a hot topic of debate for quite a long time, is that 
this it a one shot and the universe is just going to keep expanding or will it expand slow down stop and then pull back in on itself and end in what we call a big crunch and if it does lead to a big crunch will it bounce back do we live in a kind of cyclic universe that keeps going between big bang and big crunch as far as we can tell that's totally off the table because the expansion of the universe isn't slowing down it's not coasting to a stop it's not staying steady it's accelerating it's getting faster and faster every day until we understand fully what dark energy is what's causing this expansion what it might do in the future our current best guess is like nope this is it this is it just continued accelerated expansion yeah this is really hard to even imagine oh <laughs> it's pretty crazy stuff what i read in your book was you were describing the singularity and you said it was more like a mathematical concept than mm-hmm. an actual physical thing so it's pure theoretical there's no like understanding of what that is right anytime so this is in discussing the very earliest moments of the universe and if the universe was really really small in its past which we know it was because we live in an expanding universe then at some point the universe is infinitely small it's a single point and of course this is wrong This is a a number in infinity that appears in the mathematics, but we know something has to get in the way to prevent an actual singularity from forming, but we don't know what that is. That's that's beyond our known physics. Okay, so yeah, at a certain point, this becomes beyond our comprehension at the moment. Exactly, exactly. And the singularity is saying, hey, that's mathematics (laughs) saying, hey, you've had enough here. Mm -hmm. Why don't you take a break? Uh, and, and, you know, get some sleep and then come back with some new physics. You've been kind of noted for your more casual and kind of conversational approach in your way of explaining these kind of things. Um, how do you kind of maintain that for like the really complex subjects? Like, do you have to did it take you a while to kind of like figure out how to phrase things or give certain types of metaphors or uh, models for that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a really, really fun challenge for the book. When we're addressing cosmology in the universe, there are some pretty heavy topics. Who would have guessed, right? And there's some serious physics that I need to explain if I want you to understand this concept I need to explain certain kinds of physics to you and so it's all about one I really enjoy talking about this and sharing this kind of stuff and so not being afraid to let my enthusiasm bleed out onto the page and two it's about finding fun metaphors telling stories building analogies Mm. and presenting the raw facts in a way that it can actually be fun to read i hope it's fun to read it was really fun to write yes we're going to talk about serious stuff but we're not going to talk about it seriously we're going to have fun with it we're going to share in this we're going to have some joy together what made you decide to start a podcast in the first place like what inspired you to do that i had been kicking around a podcast idea for years and years and years and then finally a switch flip and I said okay I'm gonna do it it was about four years ago when I started the ask a spaceman podcast I really 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 enjoy talking about all this spacey stuff so let's create a platform where I can talk about this spacey stuff and maybe people will actually listen and the whole point of the podcast was letting people ask me questions because I'm very curious to know what other people are curious about and take it from there and whatever people want to ask me I put it on the list and then I pull from the list and make an episode out of it. Well, Paul M. Sutter, thank you for speaking with me. Your most recently published book is Your Place in the Universe, Understanding Our Big Messy Experience, where readers can learn much more about these fascinating subjects. Thanks again. Thank you. For more from my guest, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is David Perfect. Until next time, be creative.